0: Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is script consultant and screenwriter David Pope. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Stuart. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you've kindly come on to talk us through five aspects of the development process for screenwriters, and I think we'll say and producers, because I think we all need to know how this works, not just a screenwriter.
1: Yeah, it's all about relationships. It's all about conversation. So looking at it from both sides of the table is always useful, I think.
0: Indeed, indeed. I, I was fortunate enough to attend the uh, Sources 2 script development program and uh, seven days hot housing there with you know peer group re- reviews and stuff, but actually being sat opposite people, producer and director or writer and director, who working on the same project had completely opposing views as to what the script was meant to be. It was quite it was quite frightening to see how you could come to an event like Sources 2 and be, no, this is script is about this is about a mother's love. He's going, no, it's a revenge story. You're going, what?
1: Yeah, hopefully. Well, I think I think any part of that kind of process is from my point of view is you know, is is giving uh is is all of this information and intelligence to the writer, and then the writer's the one who needs to figure out what parts of that are useful and and applicable so if there's got there are contradictory things i think uh, it's like for the writer to look into that and and see what what kind of they can take out of
0: it in service of the story brilliant brilliant no that that's a, that makes a lot of sense now uh, for those that haven't heard this format before david's taking part in what I've, I've 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 honed this this format is it's a bit grand it's not like i could i could get intellectual property on this and sell the format around the world but but I have, um, I have been doing five great five this five the other. I've done five feminist themes in horror. I've done five ways to collaborate on a film set, and now we're doing five aspects of the development process. Um, it's as it suggests five, but also the other the other element of five is it's a five minute limit. We'll we'll, we'll concentrate on each subject, not because any subject is particularly boring and we need to speed through. It's more for the ability to cover all five of the subjects and not spend. 25 minutes on one, and then just read four headings off. That seem okay to you, David? Yep, that's absolutely great. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Good man, good man. So when you hear the sound of... Which I'm, I'm, I'm saying is my friend's French bulldog uh, pig, one day I'm going to get a sample of that dog, so I'll really have his dog barking. But for now, that's what we're saying it is. <laughs> Let's uh, let's start as we mean to go on. So um, the first of your five aspects of the development process is um, best uh, practice for development meetings. So what, what is it? What in particular do you want to draw attention to here? This is, I mean, this is,
1: like you say, this is meant for screenwriters, it's meant for producers, it's meant for development executives. I mean, I think it's it, this part of what I'm going to talk about is, uh, you know, it has a lot of use for for screenwriters in particular who may not have been in those kind of meetings. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a collaborative business, it's a collaborative art form, Everyone's in service of the story. We've got to get used to talking about our stories in a way that we might not, if we're a novelist or a poet or a playwright, indeed. So it's it's really about um, engaging with that idea of development meetings being collaborative. Number one, active listening indicates collaborative style. So you're going to hear um, comments and questions and notes from the, from people on the other side of the table. And so to be actively listening to that indicates that you're engaged with that um one thing that i think is really useful is you you, you will hear a lot of notes and you may well hear suggestions about what to do to uh, overcome an issue in the script and sometimes those suggestions are not useful. You might not see that they can be a part of what you're doing, but I'd always recommend listening for what's called the note behind the notes. And what that means is you might not necessarily take the solution, but think about why it's been offered. And then your job is to come up with the creative solution to solve that issue if you think it's an important issue so i i think that's a really important thing to listen out out for because if you come back and as long as you've addressed this important issue that you've been given then the people on the other side of the table are probably going to be happy and it's going to be more organic it's going to be more authentic to the story but their so their suggestion that they make that's not necessarily the thing to focus on it's the reason for the suggestion. I was going to say
0: it's like reverse engineering isn't it it's like saying if they say oh we thought this scene could do with a bit more arguing you go okay what we the the, the problem there is what are they not understanding is what you're trying to solve not whether we should have more arguing or not exactly
1: so what's the note behind the note and um, and that's kind of can give you confidence and it can be empowering the other thing is i think going into these meetings is just a little bit of sort of psychology is that understanding that kind of people apply a different thinking to a story. So as writers, we sit in our room, we're very much in the lateral zone, which is like a creative zone. Uh, We kind of try and trick ourselves into the vivid and continuous dream of a story. And then when we're going into a development meeting, we're going in where people are thinking very analytically and they're kind of thinking about, well, this doesn't work if we take it out and we put something else in and we move things around. And then some people down the line going to be thinking critically which is to do with market now i just think if everyone understands that people are going to be thinking in different ways about the same story producers screenwriters development executives there'll be a lot more peace and harmony in the in the room because it's not that somebody is being disrespectful to the process it's that everyone has a slightly different process when they're looking at stories um And then basic negotiation, what are you able to give away? What are your authentic red lines in terms of things in the story? Everyone says, be prepared to kill your darlings. And it's like, well, that's fair enough. But I think you also, it's good to think in advance. What are the things that are really essential to you? And what are those red lines that you don't want to cross? And thinking about those in advance can kind of empower you before going in. Because arguing every single little point is not going to get you anywhere. So basic negotiation is give away what doesn't matter to you, but make it look like it does matter to you, and then hang on to the things that are really
0: important. What advice to give to writers about not being overwhelmed by the information you're receiving in a meeting? Because it can be, like you say, it can be critical, it can be analytical, it can be story, it can be all three mixed into one.
1: I wouldn't be, aff- yeah, I wouldn't be
0: afraid to ask
1: questions. Right. So, I mean, the thing is, it's it, in a good meeting. I mean, there's a lot of good producers and a lot of good exec, uh, development execs out there and script consultants who really understand story. And it's it's you know, we're not it's not algebra. There's you know, although algebra is very complex, it's it there are sometimes ways that um, having the conversation is a process to coming to a solution. So, you know, if it, the thing is about working things out together. So it's not like here's some answers, do the answers. Part of the conversation is about finding answers. So, you know, asking questions back, getting clarification, making suggestions, and having more of a conversation, more of a dialogue than like having information thrown at you and um and getting barked at
0: (laughs) yeah so hopefully that was useful on the meetings indeed indeed now fast forwarding then so as as a script consultant then what what for you are some of the most common things you come across when assessing screenplays So, I mean,
1: uh, I would say, uh, so, so one thing is that, you know, I write and I've script consult as well. So I sit on both sides of the table, Um, but you know, it's, it is, it's a different engagement of, of the mind when in those two different situations, Um, I right. So things that come up very often um, are, I mean, so first thing I would say is recognize that this is a process. Okay. Um, And my, so, so, there's when when you're looking at a script it's not there's something wrong with necessarily wrong wrong with the script it's that the script hasn't reached the stage of development where it's reasonably expected that certain things would be layered on you know so for example in a first draft throwing out a first draft you're kind of like laying pipe right you're just trying to get it down on so expecting all of the exposition to be subtly blended into the background it's not a realistic expectation for a first draft so the first thing i have to do is measure where it is in the process before i start making those um, assumptions about or, or that kind of analysis of the script so re- where is it in the process and what's what is realistic for it to be there um Having said that, things that I return to uh, many, many, many times are that the external world of the story, the external conflict of the story, is well developed, and the internal conflict of the protagonist, uh, protagonists, the protagonist um, is not well developed, and that means that um, there are consequences. Uh, to that, which means that the the structure of the story is based purely on external um, events and obstacles and not on any internal um, obstacles to growth and change in the character. So I'd say a large number of the projects I work on, irrespective of what country they come from, uh, this is a conversation that I go to, uh, part of the conversation I go to very often. How that manifests itself is then that the internal and the external Conflicts are sometimes not even aligned thematically. It's like they're two different stories, and because of that, they don't come to a satisfying conclusion in any shape or form. Now, I would say going back to the process point, this is also something that um, is 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 not unsurprising because. Very often building that external world is something that comes simply and easily and can kind of propel us into getting the story down. And it returning to the internal conflict of the character, that's hard work, right? So it's it's something that comes up quite a lot. On the page, what often that means is that in the first 10 pages, 20, 15, 20 pages of a feature, we don't get a sense of how that character is limited or incomplete in any kind of a way, and therefore how they need to grow or change. Um, And because we don't get a sense of that earlier on, um, the arc of that growth or change is not rendered in a satisfactory way in the story. So I'd say that's kind of the the main thing that I would go to um, yeah because there's there's a kind
0: of there's always a temptation to sort of go big on the ordinary world and forget you're actually Mm. Mm. your ordinary world is meant to be setting up a story that's worth telling not just yeah not just here's a person being ordinary before something exciting
1: happens And the beginning of a feature, there's a lot of work to do in that first 15 pages. You know, that that's one of the real challenges for a writer is, you know, we do want the story world, we do want the status quo, we do want a sense of what's limited or incomplete in the character. So, um, everything has to count. Everything has to serve as many purposes as possible, the choices that you make there. So, and that's usually when I'm reading it, is an indication from the start that that internal conflict, that flaw, how they're limited or incomplete, hasn't been uh, developed fully yet. But, like I say, it's a process, right? So, and then once you have talked through that, it's how that integrates with all of the other. Elements in the story. One thing I just say on this in terms of, you know, very often that how a person's limited or incomplete at the beginning comes from the backstory. And one exercise I very often set for writers is to write the backstory scenes. Write some scenes. I'm talking about, you know, five pages um, of the scenes where the events take place or an example of events take place that are the origin of what this this floor is um, and we, we very often we have an idea of backstory and sometimes we write it down in prose form. But if you actually go in the scenes in the dramatic form, the characters are talking, they're not talking, they're doing, they're not doing, um, and you're actually in the room with the characters. You're not writing a little thesis on what the backstory was. You're writing in the dramatic form. And and most writers I know engage with the process more fully when they're writing in the dramatic form than in, in prose. So I would say write the backstory scenes and get into close emotional proximity with your character's backstory.
0: Yeah, you know, in a way, what you're saying there is, is like, do the stuff that if you did it in the script, it'd get binned. But actually, you did it in the yeah. script because you were trying to get to your story.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, these backstory scenes are not going in the script, and probably no one else is going to see them. But you, it means you've got the courage to get in the room with the characters when these things are taking place that are going to form this floor
0: in the character. Continuing on from the notion of notes that you touched upon in best practice for meetings um you when we when we spoke before this and we were planning to do the podcast you said one mm. of one, your approaches to your tent you tend to be a person that talks your notes to the writer as opposed to just writes them and presents them with something to go off and work on um so do you want to talk through the benefits of talking through script notes versus just giving someone some words to look at and then rewrite a script
1: yeah i mean i think i think there's, a, there's there's a number of reasons for this. I mean yeah yes, when I when I get approached by um, a producer or a screenwriter or a fund uh, or a kind of a development scheme, you know the first thing that they they kind of well first thing they usually say is how much does it cost? And then they kind of say, well, what's your process And, I, and my process is you know I'm very modular. I do a reading of a script or a treatment or whatever it is, and then I do an hour to an hour and a half on a call. With the writer, and then based on that relationship, like whether whether the writer's found it useful, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Then we can book a different another session on the next draft or or however it goes. But um, so that's how I approach it. And then sometimes I get the question, well, can you, you know, don't don't can't you just do some written notes, like any normal like Hollywood person? Um, and, and my answer is, well, uh, for lots of reasons, I, I would like to have a conversation. Principally, it's polite. Um, the second thing is that if it's a conversation, which is a, which is a two-way exchange of dialogue on a common subject, what we can do is that um, we can... Tr- uh, my job is to try and empower the writer to, to discover solutions. So the first thing that I can do in a conversation, rather than giving notes and making statements, is I can ask questions. And in asking the questions, I can try and guide the writer towards the answers. So, you know, this is what psychotherapists do. It's what good teachers do. It's what good directors do with actors, is you're asking a question. Of course, you're guiding the person towards where... You want them to go, but you're also giving them the opportunity to discover the solutions. If they discover the solutions, they're going to be more inspired by that than they are by somebody handed, giving them the solutions. Now that's not to say I haven't had people saying, "David, just tell me what you think I should do," because I have been. But I'm, you know, I'm waiting for that invitation before I start unloading what I think they can do in the script. It's much more beneficial to me if the writer finds those solutions. And for some writers who maybe eight drafts in and frankly don't want to write this story again, that that kind of excitement and Sort of intuitive, imaginative connection with the material by discovering something new can be the thing that helps energise them into the writing.
0: I was going to say because also what you what you're suggesting there is when you're in dialogue, you get a chance chance to constantly ask about intent. So as opposed to this scene is wrong, the question is what did you intend to happen here? What did you mean by this? As opposed to a subjective view of, I don't think this works.
1: Yeah. Or tell me the things that you think this secondary character's doing in the story, list them for me. And, you know, if it's doing one, the character's doing one thing and you going to go, okay, well, what else could they do? And then suddenly it's like, oh yeah, they're the person who could be doing this about that for the thing. And you're like, yeah, there you go. Right. So then, but you know, it, it's, um, it's a dialogue, it's a conversation, it's human. We're kind of talking about stories. Um, it's polite, uh, rather than receiving some word document from someone halfway around the planet with a list of things that you know you should be um, doing with your script so um, i'm a huge I'm a huge advocate for that um, I can guarantee the writers that I've worked with pre- after they've done that, that kind of contact prefer that way of working um, I, I I have done jobs where I've sent written notes because at the end of the day if the producer says look can you just This is for the whole team. Can you just write this down? We haven't got time, Um, and then then I'll say, yeah, sure. That's but but as long as you've heard that my preferred way is to is to talk to the writer, Um, and so yeah, so that so those are the main the main thing really is I get to ask questions and that the writer can be active in discovering solutions um we might get into a sort of a riffing thing where you know if they've said to me david what do you suggest for this and i say something and then i'll be like and how would you build on that and then they're kind of building on that and it it becomes more of a kind of of a riffing on an idea but i'm only going to do that if i'm invited in
0: how do you balance the the writer in you with the person that's consulting a writer
1: you have to figure out uh, everyone's in service of the story. Right. And so I may, if I'm asking questions like anybody, like you said, producers might come into a meeting and give you a load of solutions to what, what they think is the issue. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to have things popping in my head all the way through the meeting. And you know, if the, 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 the sort of the job, the trick is to try and guide them there with the questions, you know, and, um, because sometimes the things that I'm the, the the ideas that I'm having, I'm having them because they're obvious and the writer can't see the wood for the trees. And it's guiding them to that point. And they just go, Oh, of course it is. It's that. Of course it is. It was in it's in
0: there all the time. It just needs lifting up and reorganizing. And I think I think you're pointing to something there, which is it is as as someone that has done a little touched on a little bit of the work you do, it's easier to read somebody else's script and spot those opportunities. Than ever reading your own script and spotting those opportunities because your relationship with the with the core work is zero until you start reading it. <laughs> it's a completely different. Yeah, it's. I
1: completely agree with you. When I'm writing and it's, it's, it's a completely different, it's like pitching, right? I can talk to people about pitching about best advice for pitching, but you know, when I'm in the room and I'm pitching the project, it's me doing that. It's you're on the other side of the table. Um, and with the, it's, you know, with the, with script consulting, you are kind of realigning some of the tools that you use in, in your writing. But when you're writing, what you're trying to do is trick yourself into the lateral zone. And when you're script consulting, most of the time you're working in the analytical zone and the lateral zone will creep in some, sometimes to try and give you <laughs> some good stuff to salute but you need to be kind of respectful of the writer's process.
0: Let's move on to number 4 then which you which you've called three rabbit holes theme character and structure. What, what what does what does that mean as a heading?
1: Well, it's kind of like, you know, uh, 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 those for, for one thing of course these things aren't in any way shape or form original, you know, this is like as old as Aristotle and probably way further back than that. And so but but one of the things that why I say theme, character, structure is actually about that order. So the most important thing in that in those three, which um, I kind of come to usually come to very 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 quickly, is character. Um, you've, that's it's not always the case because um, all all writers are different, all projects are different, and these, as I said, these are three rabbit holes into the conversation. We, and you pick the rabbit hole that's going to take you to the place to hopefully overcome what the issue is. Um, the, I, I actually, in the conversation, I always talk about theme first. Now, this is more for a political reason than um, the problem solving. What's happened is they've sent the script to this British guy halfway around the world who's read it, and now they're going to stick him on, stick him on Skype with the writer, and they've never, they've never met me. So in terms of building trust or trying to have having, starting to build some kind of creative relationship, first thing I do is we'll talk about is theme, and that's the subject that the story is looking to explore or the, or the subject. Now, what happens then is that we're talking about ideas. We're talking about the reason that the writer probably wants to tell the story. Why this story? Why them? That's all wrapped up in theme. So by the time we've talked about that for five minutes... We've started to have a conversation about a bigger picture thing than the actual story. And it's kind of polite and it's good at building trust. So it's a strategy. Then I go on to character because everything is character driven for me. So it's like, um, if you want to talk about structure, let's talk about character because really, structure comes out of um, building um, a three dimensional character. Um, And most, the vast majority of solutions come from looking at looking at the character and what is it they want and need what are the obstacles have they try and overcome the obstacles do they get what they want what grows or changes become of that that kind of that analytic right and you can use that on a scenic level and on a macro level on a story who wants what what's in the way how do they try and overcome obstacles internal and external do they get what they want what grows or change because of that, right? So that's character. But if you think about it, that's structure, right? So assessing these things within the character will then suggest authentic and effective obstacles and, you know, authentic ways that this character is going to adapt to overcome those obstacles equals structure, okay? So that's my kind of approach to... Yeah,
0: because it's like the language you're using there, it 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 suggests that by going at it via character you're organically creating the structure as opposed to what can often happen and and, and place to what you were saying about what often happens with first drafts is that people tend to go, here's the external problem that I'm trying to solve, but not the internal one, whereas the character's got both to deal yeah. with. And if you can think about it as a, this is what's happening, not what, not what has to happen here. Yeah. Like there's a shelf in a structure. Like structure tends to be like yeah. this hard line. Yeah. And it's like, I've not done this by page 55 yeah. or I've not done this by page 62 or whatever. And you get obsessed with that and forgetting that it's characters that we watch in a film or a TV show that make us yeah, watch.
1: Yeah, it's like, what are they going to do about it? I think I know what they're going to do about it. Oh no, they didn't do that. They did something else. And basically, if you keep that that you know that uh, that kind of curiosity going in the audience, and that's all based on the on the character and what they want and need. So, and by the way, what I just said about that kind of who's who who's scene or story is it? What do they want? Etc. That's what actors act. Right, So when, when a director's reading a script or an actor's reading a script and they can go, I, I know what I want and I know what's in the way and I know what, what I've got to do and do I get what I want? Well, you don't always get what you want. And then an actor can act that. So immediately that you, it's, you're kind of keying into those creative collaborators that you're trying to attract to the project. You're trying to attract a producer. But you know, a director, if you're not the director and the actors, Are looking for conflict, and that's a model of conflict. Um, You know, desires, needs, wants obstructed is conflict.
0: Yeah, because because I suppose as well. Although we write screenplays as a linear piece of work, they're not made. They're very rarely made as linear pieces of work. So, if if it's if all those elements are clear when you take a scene to shoot on day one, that might be three quarters of the way into the film. People can identify, like you say, the whole the actor, the director, can have a conversation about what page 75 means yeah. as opposed to what happens. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's the doggy.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Pig's having a right I'll go there. Yeah, yeah. So that brings us on to our final of the five uh, aspects of development process for screenwriters and producers, which is Finding Nemo. Uh, no, sorry, it's uh, Finding Subtext. Um do you want to talk about what what it is there? Because I think this is a really, I think this is a really interesting subject to highlight of the five yeah. for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of um, I put this in because it's kind of a bit of a mission of mine to sort of, you know, I guess you know we need to talk about things that people aren't talking about, which is subtext, <laughs> and 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 you know, because in theatre, um, and I know, I know, I know, I know, film and theatre are different. I know, I know, I know. However, um, in in theatre, um, the subtext is very much at the forefront of conversations between playwrights and directors and dramaturgs and actors. And it's basically because you've got a few people stuck in a room and you can't cut to somewhere else. So the subtext is absolutely vital. Um, and it, it's something that comes up and people kind of say, oh, you know, the di-, and they always, they always hone in on dialogue with this, right? And it's like, oh, the dialogue doesn't have enough subtext and da-da-da-da. And that really... Partly people don't really know what they're asking for. Because for me, if it's like, if you want to sort of layer subtext on dialogue, it's a bit like saying, can we put some nice wallpaper up? But we kind of need to have a wall behind it. You need to build a wall behind it before you put it up. And, and so I started thinking about, like, when I'm talking with writers, because like I'm, you know, I, I, I do the script consultancy and I, I also kind of work on a lot of sort of talents and project development programs around the world in different places and and so i was basically finding a way to talk to to, to do sort of a presentation or talk with them and also in the consultancy mm. practice to talk about subjects and and so one of the i'm just going to kind of just give up a couple of kind of recommendations for this really into what do please do what we mean is sort of what we mean is what's really happening in the scene okay it's not in the it's not in the dialogue and and or the action uh, but we have a sense that there's something else going on in the scene so one th- the one for me one way to look at it is not necessarily to look at that single scene because for me good subtext is like a joke right it's set up and payoff Right. So the question is how mm. much subtext does the context need? And I'll give you an example here, right? So here's three films where an object is used for subtext. And so the object's introduced earlier in the film comes back in a scene later on. And it mm. the meaning that is then ascribed to that object is different in that second scene. Or or it transfers meaning. Okay. So example one is blue by Christoph Kislovsky, right? There's a lollipop. The first scene we see a lollipop wrapper Okay much it's Films about grief Much later on Julie empties her handbag looking for a book With a number into phone Lollipop falls out It's the lollipop from her daughter Who has died Between scene one and that scene So the lollipop is grief no dialogue in that scene. It's an absolutely amazing scene. Juliette Binoche and a lollipop, right? And people are in tears. Mm. And so that's, that's subtext. The subtext is we know exactly what's going on inside her mind. And what, what's happened is that the, um, the prop, yeah, has, has been the activator for that and it's set up and pay off. Second example is the apartment, okay? The makeup compact that is found by Jack Lemon's character in his apartment uh, and given back to his boss, who borrows his apartment to meet his lover, okay, later on... The woman who Jack Lemon is um, attracted to, attached to, uh, takes the co- same compact out of her bag and we see on his face that he realises that she is the lover of his boss who has been meeting in the apartment, okay? And then the third one is in um, is in Widows, which is Steve McQueen film, which is an adaptation of the Linda LaPlante series. There's a drink, there's a flask that the husband drinks from early in the like a little whiskey flask early on in the film um he supposedly dies sorry spoilers um she goes to the house of one of the other widows and finds her dogs barking at the bedroom door and she sees the flask on the table and then she looks at the door and we know she knows he's on the other side of the door okay but it's the flask Mm. that is the connecting thing so that's i mean it it could be a line of dialogue it could be the location it could be something else that kind of transfers that meaning Uh, but that's just that's just a fast example of what i mean by setup
0: and Hi-oh. No, they're brilliant examples because, because what you've done there is, in a way, is like you say, there's there's a knee-jerk reaction which is always to say, just do less dialogue because we need subtext, like as if that's a magic bullet. Yeah. Whereas what you're saying is, it, you you have you, you've, you've given the audience information and you're allowing them to to find the answer. Yeah. At the same time, your protagonist usually yeah. finds the same answer, yeah, exactly. and without them, without without the protagonist going, oh, there's that lollipop <laughs> yeah. about my daughter when she died, and I'm really sad about my daughter yeah. dying. Yeah, which would be awful, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: So it's just it's it, 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 the the key the key point is how much context does the subtext need to be emotionally effective? When do I need to mm. set something up? for it to pay off in that scene. Um, and sometimes the work has to be done in the scene itself. But the first question for me is like, what's, what, what do I need to do earlier to set this up emotionally later on? And then I'd look at the, the kind of the, the most important dramatic moments in the story. Uh, moments mm. of revelation when the character realizes that there's something that they've, they've got to grow or change or whatever it is because those are the ones where we're going to want to have the most dramatic impact it 's not going to be in every single scene in in the film so i you know identifying your midpoint, identifying the 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 darkest hour identifying when they realize that it's something internal that they, you know those kind of those kind of dramatic essential scenes are the ones I would look at first and then look at how much context you need to set them up.
0: I was going to say, because I recently watched um, a Q&A with, um, with Aaron Zorkin, and he, he constantly kept referring to the fact that most problems in the third act are to do with what's not in the first act. Yeah. So it's not like new information you need to deliver. It's about using information you've already provided in a different way, yeah. and like these examples all, all brilliantly illustrate. Yeah. Um, it's forgetting that's what's happening. Like our lives, you know, we, we, we move forward. We don't leave everything behind because we've moved forward. Everything comes with us, but like you say when when events happen they might change their meaning which is what you're talking about with these examples yeah and it can happen in a scene i mean Aaron sorkin i mean there's this scene in a few good men where they go in and they see
1: the commander and the commander says to the to to one of them uh why don't you go and get yourself a cup of coffee and she says no thanks i'm fine and then she says commander could you go out of the room so we can talk about you behind your back and she says yes sir and then she goes out now what he's doing there is, is like that's that's not just a lesson in subtext right it's the whole film because it's basically the the whole film is about the difference between a choice and an order i give you a choice mm. to get a cup of coffee you say no sir i'm fine i tell you to go and do something you do it because i'm a commanding officer that's what the whole film's about
0: it's been amazing talking through these five aspects of the development process for screenwriters and producers i'll just run through the list yeah. uh, just to give a recap we've done best practice for development meetings Most common things you come across when uh, reviewing scripts. Benefits of talking through your script notes as opposed to just writing them. Mm. Three rabbit holes, theme, character, and structure, and then finding subtext. (laughs) How can people get hold of you if uh, if they wanted to, having listened to this, if they wanted to say hello and say, yeah, I mean, my, can you help me? Yeah,
1: mine, so I'm I'm my company's Advanced Films. I'm David at advancedfilms. The website's Advanced Films. Um, I do a bunch of other things. I'm a co-founder of Stowe Story Labs in the states. That has its that has its own website. The application season for that's opening in a few weeks uh for the cons- what is that so that's kind of uh, basically I, I helped set that up seven years ago we do writers retreats and um we do labs in in the us um uh, it's open internationally um and so i also I, i'm the sort of moderate for the rotterdam lab which is part of cinema. So there's a bunch of different things I do. My practice runs through Advanced Films. So go to Advanced Films. My bio's on there. And it's david at advancedfilms.com if you want to get in touch with me.
0: Brilliant. I'll put a link in the show notes awesome. so people can click on that easy enough. It just gives me to say thank you very much for giving me you your time on the Britflix podcast. It's been a pleasure, Stuart. Thank you very much for inviting me.